Good morning and welcome to Fat Out Recovery. Morning, Good morning. Right, let me just go. How was your week? Do you know what? I'm in a really good place this week. I've had a lot of stuff coming up in recovery that hasn't come up before and it's... Yeah, I'm in, the, I'm in a different phase of my recovery. It's hard. It's not actually easy. It's the becoming willing and it's about amends and they're big amends and it's taken me three years and eight months to get there. Right. So I haven't done like the process of then do step 10, then t 11, then 12 after step nine. I've done some of step nine, the not being willing and then leaving it and then just 10, 11, 12 anyway. That's how my sponsor's done it with me. So I never did all my amends because I wasn't willing to do all of them. So I guess it's just that right. journey. Yeah, not the destination. So I finally, and, and actually I think it's it's another journey that I think my higher power's given me. So I went into this care home working with children. Yeah. I've never done it before. It's a new experience with all these things. And it's been really challenging. It's been eye-opening to see how addiction affects the other side, children. Mm -hmm. I had a childhood that wasn't that healthy, was quite toxic. There was aspects of neglect, there was aspects of mental abuse, and there was aspects of other abuse. Mm. But being in this children's home, it's given me an awareness of the other side that is even worse. And I used to compare, you know, the victim, play the victim, and if you had my childhood, you know, you would have used and drank as well. Well, yeah, obviously. We yes. all do that. But actually seeing the neglect from a different perspective, that they've never had their parents around, and that's been really, really eye-opening because the children are so guarded. It's just like constant like rejection and abandonment that they're just, they're not willing. And I think it's just made me see things in a different light. And being in there has taken me on this journey, becoming willing to make amends to my dad. And that's huge because I've never been there. The anger's not resolved enough mm -hmm. until this point. And I think it's something to do with being in this care home. And I, I honestly would never, I mean, I'm a chef. I would never have gone into a care home, but I wanted to foster or adopt. And I've come to the conclusion that I'm, I want to adopt. And it's been a bit of a journey because that's the reason why I went in there. But it's given me this gift of becoming willing to make amends to my dad without the expectation that we might have a relationship, without the expectation that we might be able to stay connected after. And it's been really emotional, it's been really overwhelming, like the feelings that I'm getting. But that becoming willing is huge, it's just the first step of taking the process to step eight and step nine with it. But it's hard, relationships I think are difficult and my relationship with my dad has been, has been a struggle. Just becoming willing to accept the fear of rejection and mm. perhaps the fear of being judged that I'm not what I thought it was gonna I was gonna be and I'm still not that person. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been big and I think my higher power has put me in this position in this home and I'm on a different path in my recovery and it feels a bit overwhelmingly scary but it's also needed to clean my side of the street. It sounds like the presupposition is that we are willing once we come into recovery. And of course we're not always willing as a certain thing. But if we're willing in general, then this can help us find a change in perspective. And what tends to happen over time is that willingness and that willingness to accept that new perceptions might arrive and that new perspectives might present themselves. 
means that we suddenly get a catalyst from somewhere completely left field yeah which gives us a new angle on something that we've been struggling with all along and whether it's a god incidence or a coincidence or synchronicity or whatever suddenly i'm doing something and it makes me change my mind about something else yeah but i have to be in a state where i'm willing to engage in the first place because if i'm engaged and if i've gone through a consistent recovery process whereby i'm always engaged in that process of recovery then when this catalyst turns up i'll work with it rather than work against it yeah have you had an experience like that in your recovery journey on what well, where events? I've been doing something or not doing something um, in my case well <laughs> one of the biggest things I had to get over was being mistreated in a working situation and it was all well and good for me to rant about the fact that oh if I'd gone to the union if I'd done this if I'd done that but I was in a real catch-22 at that time and there wasn't really any way out of it other than to walk away even though what I knew was happening was actually illegal without going into any details yeah. it was just a position that was untenable and for the sake of my sanity I decided to walk away but of course there was no side of me forgiving the person the people who were in authority over that situation I then came across something two three years ago was it I'm probably where I was faced with something similar it didn't matter in the same way mm. because it wasn't something that was going to see me unable to pay my mortgage like the original situation yeah but the incompetence of the person involved the prejudice of the person involved was the same and I walked away from it without being angry at them mm. because I saw why they were doing it whereas in that original situation I was just so angry at what was happening that I wasn't prepared to even look at anyone else's perspective yeah. and also being in recovery I've become more accepting of the fact that just because I change doesn't mean the world will change yeah. and that some people are still going to be bigots and some people are still going to do everything they can for their own advancement at the expense of everybody else and to put it bluntly you know whatever I do there's always going to be some people that are wankers <laughs> whereas in the time I was drinking I would never accept that I would never accept that some people are always going to be like that and I would take it very very personally when it was yeah. directed my way that's it and because I don't particularly do that anymore situations that used to be very fertile ground for confrontation no longer are yeah and looking back on that original situation it's not that i'm now willing to engage with those people and actually i don't have to because i'd have to go and find them and going to find them wouldn't do anyone any good but if i were to come across one of them now i wouldn't be reaching for the nearest available weapon yeah and I would have been, had that occurred in early recovery. Yeah, I think that's it. I think what you said about the anger, it's been going into this home. I think that anger, like people do things because they don't know any better. And I think that anger has, has subsided, what not a little, um, dissolved if you like. I feel like I've softened a little bit by being a bit 
practicing the like the principles you know a bit more patient a bit more tolerant because there are rules I can't say whatever I want in that home it's made me you know realize that people do things because they don't know any better and they can only give you what they've got if they don't have it they can't give it so yeah accepting others they are and you know that willingness that perhaps actually I might not want to have a relationship with that person with my dad because some people are toxic and it was toxic the behaviors were toxic the people pleasing him the constant like seeking his approval the allowing the assassination of my character and my mom's character constantly and just not voicing myself mm. just allowing it to happen not being able to voice myself to him so i think i'm gonna let go and let god on that one and see what comes of it but yeah it's been a bit of a journey to that three years and eight months I try not to judge the time, but that's quite a long time in recovery to, to not be willing. But mm -hmm. I guess it is a, a journey and not a destination. Everybody's journey is different, and that's just mine. Yeah, and the whole thing takes time. Yeah. And one of the things I've noticed very much in terms of the way I am with people is that I work with people differently now Yeah. to the way I used to work with them. Yeah. Whether I was drinking or not prior to recovery, it was always conflict. It was always combative. It was always I'm I'm right. Yeah. And I could absolutely. never let go if I knew I was right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it doesn't matter. Yeah. And a lot of the things that used to instantly produce conflict don't anymore because I've got more sense of when to walk away. Yeah. And I've got a more sense of recognizing both my own limitations and the fact that other people have limitations too. And that when someone is being unbearable, there are various reasons for that. And there are also various reasons for their being unbearable that I can't fucking change. Yeah. And okay, someone is incompetent and that's affecting me. However, it doesn't mean I have to let it live in my head on a permanent basis. Yeah. I just have to find a way to deal with it as best I can. And to have a situation hanging over you for 10 years like I did with that original mess is just indicative of my not dealing with the world whereas because now I'm prepared to try and deal with the world my place in it is different That's it's it. not what it was mm -hmm. and if I were to be presented with a boss like the one I had in that school who was promoted way beyond the level of competence who was not only prejudiced but actually had an agenda based on that prejudice if I were to be presented with someone like that again I think I would find a way to work my way out of it rather than react to it yeah and following dealing with that I certainly wouldn't spend 10 years plotting their demise yeah because there's nothing to be gained by that my anger at these things is only hurting me really mm -hmm. because when people behave like that they generally if they don't care about what happens to the other person they're not wasting time thinking about me why yeah. am i wasting time thinking about them it's like that drinking the poison and expecting the other person to die oh yeah absolutely yeah. and the, the fact is life is life and this is where we get to the point where we're talking about something that's actually not about the substances at all because the key for me when you actually get through that first bit of recovery and then start living as opposed to just being mm -hmm. in a recovery bubble when you actually start living it's about finding a different way of living and that's not just 
finding a different way of living without alcohol. It's finding a different way of living, full stop. Yeah, yeah. It's finding a different way of interacting and engaging with people and processes and of doing things in a reasonable and measured way and of accepting that sometimes I need help, sometimes I don't, sometimes I know, sometimes I don't, sometimes I can, sometimes I can't. And that's ultimately perspective. And And like you were saying with that catalytic situation there, it's that these changes in perspective only happen if we keep working at recovery. And what was screaming to me the whole time then that you were sharing was responsibility, responsibility. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) Oh, that's it, responsibility. And I have not been able, as an adult, I consider myself an adult child, I'm in ACA, but as an adult, I am not able to take responsibility. I literally have stood away from it. It stopped me from pursuing my dreams. It stopped me from having relationships with people. It is an absolute, like it stopped me from getting a mortgage. It stopped me from setting up a business. Ah. It stops me from even writing my poetry because I'm so concerned about putting it out there. And what happens if I am good at something and then what? Like I think that's what's got me is with the amends with my dad, but also the I'm setting up a business, I'm trying to, but the fear behind it of the taking responsibility is huge. So yeah, it's all about responsibility and actually for the first time in my life, I'm actually willing to take responsibility and that has taken me three years and eight months in recovery to get there. It's not bad. Some people (laughs) never get there. Oh gosh, it's a slow process. And also it's this rediscovery process because I always knew what responsibility meant. Yeah. And yet I behaved very irresponsibly a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. And then I would highlight oh no but I'm responsible here because actually at work I was responsible and I did actually do things that I was meant to do and yeah. I did things properly yeah. but in my own life I was mm-hmm. I, I literally stumbled into a mortgage because I got into a situation where I was financially easily able to take it on and I just stumbled into an estate agent and next thing I knew I was looking at these houses and went I want that one and it, <laughs> As it turned out, even though they reached a point eventually where I couldn't pay for it, blah, 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 and had to sell it, it was the right area to buy. It was the right. <laughs> but none of this was of my doing. None of this was of my having any great life plan. Yeah. It was just, oh, I better do that then because everyone else is doing it. And the idea of actually being responsible in the day to day and of being responsible in the way that I engage with people, that's only come in recovery. Yeah. But even in recovery, the responsibility with money, like I've earned so much. Like I was like you, are, I stayed in employment and I never left employment. And um, there were times when I wasn't in employment by choice for like a year or so. But all my money got blown on drugs and alcohol. I have nothing to show for it. And sometimes I struggle with accepting that because I think, well, mm-hmm. you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But actually, no, because I wouldn't have taken responsibility for the mortgage. I would have lost the house. Yeah because I wasn't in any fit state to even take that responsibility. So I just, it would never have happened, shoulda, woulda, coulda, it didn't happen and you can't look back well, on the past. I ended up blowing a whole lot because I reached a point where I couldn't pay the mortgage and eventually I had to sell it. And I sold it and made some money on it. So I blew all of that and ended up with nothing. Mm-hmm. And actually ending up with nothing is probably one of the best things that could have happened. Mm. Because I ended up with, ending up with nothing and landing in Birmingham with literally 
just a bit of stuff and in many ways it was the best thing yeah and okay it means starting again and stop start and stop start as it was for me for four years it was stop start stop start but then as Bob Dylan put it you know when you've got nothing you've got nothing to lose mm, very true. and when there's nothing left you've got to rebuild and I tried to engage with recovery while I still had all these material things but I wasn't willing to engage with the process and I still thought I'll never lose all of this of course I'll keep all of this and I wasn't responsible around the way I lived it just kind of happened and it always just kind of happened and when it all cracked I went shot to shit and I woke up that day and thought Christ I'm 40 it's all gone yeah. what am I going to do now it meant that inevitably I had to engage with the recovery process and while it took me a while to get there properly now it has I don't get in the kind of conflicts I used to get in I don't get in the day to day mess I used to get in and getting things wrong isn't a catastrophe anymore mm. and someone else being a bigoted cretin is <laughs> not necessarily my problem that's one way of putting it I love that cretin I love that word one of the best parts for me is also it's it's how I react to the world because at the moment we have a prime minister in place and this is my opinion not the opinion Uh of my masters who is an incompetent psychopath in my opinion and you can quote me on that (laughs) but more (laughs) emphasis on the tunnel visioned incompetent for me now for a long time my reaction to politicians Mm -hmm. that made chronic misjudgments which affect everybody's lives I would rant and rave and scream and rant Mm -hmm. whereas now it's more well what can I do about it you have no control you can't change it and I don't follow it all on Twitter even two years ago I was following all of this on Twitter and I was getting angry and I was you better warn Neil he's just gone on Twitter you better warn him I know him. I put him He'll on Twitter he'll be getting resentments left right and centre I put him on Twitter <laughs> did you what for oh it's great <laughs> but no it's it's a key one for me that the world without sin because if I'm focused on all these huge international crises over which I have no control whatsoever and getting angry about them I haven't got my eyes on the ball and also they're just puppets on a string nothing I can do about them yeah and no matter what they do okay it's going to affect all our lives to the point whereby all sorts of things could go wrong but I can't do a lot about that either and it's taken me a long time to get to that it's only relatively recently that I'm able to just swipe through a news thing and think, oh, I don't care what she said today. See, now I don't that's care my... what he said today. And I've been five and a half years now, just about, without drink. And it's taken that long, it's taken that five for me to not shout at the screen when I see something <laughs> about politics. It's resentment central watching the news. That's why I don't watch it. I mean, my, my politics have not changed. My own politics have not changed. But the way I'm reacting to the other side has. Yeah, more peace. And I do think it's important in the same way as me looking at what I do in the day to day and how I am responsible around my relationships with other people there. Because, yes, I make mistakes, of course I do. Yes, I say the wrong thing, of course I do. 
yes, I do something and because nobody thanks me for it, I start getting angry about it. Of course that happens. Yeah, yeah I see people who don't know what they're doing and thinking, oh, can you just get out of the way? And then <laughs> and, and that happens. Ego, thinking, ego, ego. The thinking always happens. You know, I can't change those thought processes per se, but I can change what I do with them. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that just by living recovery, the things we come across gradually realign somehow. When you when you change, change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And perspective changes and find some objectivity as well. It's not this muddied, wafting smoke in front of me all the time whereby I can't see the wood for the trees. Yeah. It gradually clears. And yeah, like you said at the beginning, there are these catalysts, these things that suddenly make me think, stop. Oh, so that's why that was happening. Uh-huh. Because the thing that happened with me always when I was on the piss or actually not on the piss but waiting for the next drink the thing that always happened there was that I would get fixated and I'd get fixated on the one key thing that was making me angry and synecdocally that would blow away the rest of the picture and the only part of the picture I would see would be this one tiny thing that was really getting me enraged so there was no perspective at all whereas considering mitigation or considering reasons around behaviour that suddenly starts happening in recovery because I'm not fixating in the same way as I once was. And also, if I start doing it, I know I'm doing it. Also, though, having a platform to feel heard and to be listened to. Yes, absolutely. Because that was how I was reactive a lot of the time. Not the only cause of my anger issues, but if I didn't feel heard, it's a pattern in me, or if I don't feel like I'm being listened to, that triggers a lot of defects, that pattern. I become very reactive. So just having that platform to be able to voice myself and actually to find my voice in recovery and to speak up when actually I don't want to do something or no, full sentence, setting boundaries, you know, feeling heard, it's so important. And I feel that and I get that platform going to meetings, speaking to sponsors, you know, speaking to other fellows and just being able to get honest again and vulnerable. Every time I go through a process, what appears to be a new process in recovery, it probably yeah. isn't a new process. It just feels like a new one because I'm looking at something different yeah. or I'm looking in a different way. It always goes back to the how and it goes back to that. Am I prepared to be as honest as I can, as open-minded as I can and as willing as I can? Because if I do that as a matter of course, then my initial approach to a situation is improved because I'm not instantly looking for the flaws in it. I'm not instantly looking for how can I get out of this I'm not instantly looking for how can I put them down so that I don't feel like I'm out of it I'm not always looking for these negative strands Mm. and I'm not always looking for a means to lie and I'm not always looking for a means to manipulate and it really is that H-O-W because that's where it starts it's one thing to put the drink drugs down it's another thing to actually do something about the way you behave with other people and if I can't start with honesty I'm going nowhere anyway Yeah. and actually I have to be honest even before I put the fucking drink down I've got to be honest even before then to actually get to and for people who struggle to such a degree whereby they keep on picking up sporadically 
or they're unable to stop entirely. That doesn't mean that they can't engage with the honesty process. Yeah. It doesn't mean they can't engage with the open-mindedness and it doesn't mean they can't engage with the willingness. And it doesn't mean that they can't try and be responsible. You see, while these things are going to be more effective if we get rid of the chemicals altogether, they're the benchmark whereby we can start changing our relationships with other people. Yeah. Because the dead-end alcoholic that doesn't know the difference between the true and the false, that will lie even when they don't need to lie, the drug addict who will continue to pretend that they're not taking anything because they've changed their drugs to the point whereby they think it's actually not noticeable. Yeah. But as soon as you change your mind on this, no, I'm going to be honest about it now. Yes, I did drink last night. Or no, actually, I did start getting these things from the doctor. And I'm going to listen when someone says, well, maybe you could cut that in half or maybe you could not use them at all. Yeah. And if I'm willing to make some attempt at what's been given to me, then this is going to change the way I see the world. Yeah. I've seen people sit in meetings and they're still drinking, mm. and but they're being honest about it. Yeah. And eventually they do stop. I've seen meet, been in meetings where people are using and again, they've been honest with it, but they eventually they come yeah. and keep coming back and eventually they stop. Mm. But it's when the dishonesty kicks in and sitting yeah. there and the shame. It's all about the shame getting vulnerable there isn't any courage without vulnerability and if you're prepared to get vulnerable that automatically takes the shame away from it yeah it's into the light then isn't it yeah and it is that process of stepping out of that dark room and it's the same as that first time of saying i'm an alcoholic or i'm an addict it doesn't matter if it's me saying it into a mirror for myself yeah or whether it's the first time I say it in a meeting. Once I've said it, I've said it. And if I've said it and meant it, it means that that door is starting to open. Because mm -hmm. it can't open before I do that. And this is the thing with step one for me. Is that, okay, it's gotta be the absolute. It's the one that needs to be absolute if I'm not going to drink again. But actually, I can be looking at step one while I'm still drinking because I can be accepting, okay, once I start doing this, I can't stop, and I can't stop. And everything that I do is chaos because mm. of the drink. And if I stop drinking, I can hopefully find a way to stop everything being chaotic. So someone please show me how. And if I do that and I walk through the door and into a meeting, then I'm gonna hear someone else has done, that's been where I've been, that has actually got to a new point. Yeah. And that's where it's the collective experience of any meeting is so important. Finding other people with that identification, finding other people that have been there, done that, it's so important. And because I'm not going to advance if I use my own ideas all the time, certainly not on something that's got me licked. Yeah. And again, it's, am I willing to go there? Am I willing to listen to what's said there? Am I going to be honest about what I'm doing? Because actually, I could have put the drink down 10 years ago, but being dishonest, unwilling and close-minded, which would mean I'd be, be probably even worse than when I was drunk. <laughs> and I've heard stories actually of people who white-knuckled it and who've just put the drink and drugs down and said, oh, I'm all right now. And then their spouses or their children want to say, they're even worse. <laughs> They're even worse now. I wish you'd go to the pub. 
He's even worse than he was. I can't stand him now. For me, the whole recovery journey is about this change in perspective. Yeah, and, and forgiveness. But forgiveness and the change in which I deal with other people. Yeah, yeah. And forgiveness is something I find because I start seeing things differently and because I'm prepared to engage in the idea of, of seeing that person differently. Yeah. Amends is the same thing, and that's why they come much later on in the, in the 12-step process. And of course, as soon as I put the drink down, I wanted to make amends to all the people who I felt deserved amends. Mine were and, all my exes for some then, reason. <laughs> and then there was a, I mean, I, I had initially, I remember taking this to explain, you know, this is obviously I've done this. Yeah. To, at which point the response is, but you've only just got step one. <laughs> no, no, no. You see, these people deserve an amends. No, these don't because they're annoying. And this one, this is my hit list. <laughs> this is my hit list. There, there will so never you be an amends it. Yeah, <laughs> it was actually a hit list. So I had an amends list. The sniper on the roof. <laughs> an amends list, uh, people that I wouldn't bother with, and then there was the hit list. Now the actual amends list was fair enough, and that that became the basis of the amends list. Yeah. The people I wasn't bothered with. I had actually already identified the ones that it would be better if I didn't go anywhere near them because it would probably disrupt their lives unnecessarily. Yeah. But the hit list had to go, obviously. <laughs> but then that's a perspective thing because I had no perspective when I just put the booze down. Yeah. It's like being spun around and you're still spinning and you're still spinning and you carry on spinning and, and it's only after a while that... that like a Tasmanian devil. ...slows down and... <laughs> And oh, hang on, I can see this now. Yeah. Actually, maybe this is possible. Yeah. And I thought, Amos was loud. <laughs> For some reason, when people leave office doors open, it seems to be an incitement to anyone that walks in to talk like a foghorn. <laughs> There's a resentment coming. Whereas if the door is closed, <laughs> it's actually though because of Neil's expert soundproofing. <laughs> Is, was this Neil's work? Mine and Neil's. <laughs> yeah, we did it. I'm surprised there's not egg, egg, egg cardboard egg. Uh, what do they call them? I wasn't going to do it with cardboard <laughs> egg boxes. You oh, can do boxes, it with cardboard it. egg boxes. You have seen it? <laughs> you can do it with foam. There's various different ways you can do it. But the purpose of the soundproofing we've got in here is to keep that noise out more than to keep our noise in. You need a whole wall of it there. Our well. noise <laughs> is kept in by being, being in proximity to the microphone. But keeping that noise out happens because of the deadening. Now, even with, with a gentleman who is quite loud next door, it doesn't show up much on the recording, thankfully. And I can usually edit it out. I still think that it's going to take me years to get to a point of, of sensible calibration over responsibility because I still feel like I'm trying it in certain places. Yeah. And while I know I'm willing with certain things and I'm less willing with others, and I know that my relationships with other human beings have changed and I don't get into constant conflict, so when I actually write things down once a week or so and, and it's, uh, is, is there anything particularly griping at the minute? They tend to look like small things. Yeah. And things that seemed huge don't seem so huge. Yeah, I had a situation, two situations last Christmas. And when I think of how I reacted 
to a difficult working situation, I didn't mess it all up. Mm -hmm. I left it to someone else to deal with. That for me is unheard of. Yeah. And then another a personal situation. I'm amazed that I dealt with that at all. Yeah. And I'm amazed that I managed to dust myself off and just carry on with doing what I needed to do. Yeah. Because it did take me about three months to look myself in the eye and confront how I felt about all of that. But actually three months for that, considering the seismic nature of what it was, is extraordinary for me. Because mm -hmm. I used to carry a whole caravan full of resentments around with me. Yeah. I had my resentment sticks that I would walk around with, picking them up all day, every day. And then a big trailer to stash them all in at the end. And then I'd go and sit with them at night and plot. Yeah. And yeah. I'd reenact every yeah. situation that I'd ever been in with these yeah. people. It was like having a huge <laughs> library of them. Yeah, and grabbing a stick every so often, every time you wanted to throw yeah. one out. Do you remember the time when you did this? I love to do that. I love to make sure that everybody knew that actually this is what you did that one time. I would throw it in people's yeah. faces. And this is Couldn't the one time go. where I had three drinks. I was really nice with everybody and there was no issue whatsoever. The one time <laughs> in 30 years of booze. The one time. And I'm clinging to this as if it somehow excuses the other X thousand number of times <laughs> when I got shit-faced and caused all manner of trouble. Yeah. And fortunately, I'm not carrying that huge caravan full of resentments around. All those sticks anymore. I still pick or throwing them. them. I still pick them up, but I don't hold on to them. Yeah. And how I deal with it is how I deal with it. And sometimes I may actually rant briefly. But once I've done that, I've done it. Yeah. It's not something I take away and feed. And when that stops, everything is lighter. Mm -hmm. And of course things appear to be more manageable. And of course things appear to be more possible because I'm not carrying all this fucking baggage. Yeah. And because willing to let go of the control, yeah. you know, that I'm completely powerless, not just over alcohol and the drugs, but I'm completely powerless over people. You know, I have no ability to change anybody's mind and I can't change a person I can only change myself and that's something that yeah. I learned in recovery stop trying to change everybody to the way you want them to be yeah. and this engagement with the world this being responsible I mean I look at it now in that because I'm not carrying that huge caravan with me which I'm hand pulling along the road it's as if I'm going up like a small mountain now if I'm going to climb Snowden if I'm not carrying a huge rucksack and several other suitcases full of shit that I need to have with me all the time, then it looks possible that I might get to the top. Snow Snowden or Snowdonia? Well, Snowdonia <laughs> it was. Snowdonia. <laughs> but if I'm not carrying all that baggage, then it becomes a possible practical thing for me to do. Yeah. Because in, in all those years when I was carrying all this shit around with me, of course nothing looked possible, of course nothing looked reasonable. And of course I had no perspective on anything because I had all this jumbled up shit going on in my head about stuff that I couldn't control that was already gone. Yeah. All making up in your head. Oh, God, I made yeah. up stuff. It wasn't even real. It complete, like, no perspective whatsoever. Just complete madness. Delusion. Paranoia. Yeah. They're talking about me. I'm the centre of the universe and it's all about me. Of They're talking it is. about it me. Be. It can't be about anything else. They don't like me. It's all about me, 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 me. <laughs> well, I think 
that all of this takes time and it's yeah. only now I'm understanding how much time it really takes mm -hmm. because this evolves and it evolves and evolves and evolves and it will carry on evolving until I breathe my last because this is the way that it might have been had I never drunk or had I picked up an AA leaflet sooner but as it's happening, it's, it's seeing things change gradually over time and not being aware of them immediately because it's, it's not me that sees it straight away. I go into a room with someone that I've been in conflict with for 30 years and for the first time ever I walk out of that room and there hasn't been a conflict. Mm -hmm. I don't register the first time that happens. I don't register the second time that happens. It's only when I talk to someone else about it and suddenly I realise, hang on, but I've seen so-and-so six times in the last... I don't know how many months. And I haven't come away planning to chuck them under a bus once. Yeah. And it takes me time to notice that that's there. And a lot of the time it's because I've changed my attitude towards them. Yeah. Or it's because I'm not rising to their bait. So it is in part a change in my behaviour. And sometimes it's a change in theirs. Because what they're seeing in me is not what they used to see in me. I don't presuppose it's actually a change in their perspective. I'm not naive. <laughs> not always. <laughs> no, I'm too cynical for that. <laughs> Far too cynical. I actually don't assume that at all. I actually assume that their perception of me is probably the same. And they're probably thinking, oh, it's only a matter of time before he gets pissed again. I feel a lot safer being cynical about that, mm. which is something I arguably shouldn't do, but it's, it's kept me up well enough as it is. And yet, if I change my behaviour towards those people, the conflicts disappear anyway. Yeah. We don't always see the change within us, but the people around us see it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think those immediately around us see it. Yeah. And that's how we learn it, because we learn it by having those people around us. And that is the great value of having your recovery unit, your recovery legion, or however many tribe. people, the many vibe people you have around tribe. you. <laughs> which is why the group thing and the collective thing is so important absolutely not only because it gets away from this problematic conceptualization that people develop over god take god out of it you actually need these people around you first yeah because whether you find god or not is down to you yeah and whether you find a god of your understanding is down to you if you don't it's down to you but you still can't do this on your own. And actually, once they fiddled about a bit with the 12 steps and Bill Wilson had had his ongoing dialogue with Dr. Young, step two became what it was because it became finding a power greater. And for a lot of people, that power greater is the group. And it is the people they associate with. And, yeah. and also, we are defined by the company we keep. Yeah. And if you keep positive recovery company, then you've got far more chance, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, keep good company. But also, I think for me, my sponsor was my first. I mean, it was completely codependent, but my sponsor <laughs> was the first, my higher power. Yeah. The first person that, you know, I really trusted and became my higher power. And she soon set the boundaries in, and I'm not your friend, I'm not your, I'm not your mother, and I'm not going to be. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I've been put in my place. But, you know, she set good boundaries with me, and yeah. I needed that. So yeah, I think then, you know, I managed to find a power greater than myself. But yeah, at first it is the group and it is a sponsor or it is a person because you don't have that higher power. And also the initial contact is just with a person, isn't it? Yeah. Whether it's picking up the phone and calling a helpline, 
whether it's picking up the phone and calling the rehab, uh, wherever you end up, whether it's in a group somewhere, or whether it's in a hospital somewhere, or whether it's in a rehab, or whether it's in a church hall with a, a particular type of recovery group, whatever it is, your first contact is with other people who've been yeah. where you've been. And you have to engage with them first. And you have to be prepared to say certain things to jump in the boat, really, I suppose. And it doesn't actually matter how you say it. It's about that initial engagement. And of course it's going to be with people first. And that's the one thing that I didn't want to deal with, particularly towards the end when I drank. It was the last thing I needed around me was people. There are times these days where I think, no, I'm going to be a hermit. I'm going to go and live in some cave somewhere in Wales or Scotland where no one can find me and I don't have to deal with people at all and I can just talk to the rocks and I can look at the sea and I can walk around in the trees and not worry about these bloody people ruining my life. I often think like that but then I think it would get really lonely after a while. And then I start thinking, well, if I could just disappear and do that for two months a year, yeah, that would suit me. <laughs> yeah. That would really suit me. Yeah, my retreat, my cave. <laughs> I've got a timeshare in a cave somewhere on the on Shetland. <laughs> yeah, anyone else? Right, I'm having July and August. Does anyone want the rest of the year? <laughs> I've got an image of you riding around with Shetland ponies. In fact, riding on the Shetland ponies oh, at Richard's retreats. It would look a bit ridiculous actually, me on a Shetland pony. No, because it's so I'm small. a bit tall for a Shetland pony. <laughs> That's why it's so funny. Yeah. <laughs> Charging around the Highlands. Although I, I don't think it's unique to alcoholics and addicts at all to want to be away from everybody and no. just not have to listen isolate. to the world yeah. and isolate. It's just that for us it's more dangerous than, than most. It's my, it's my thing I love to do the most is isolate. I'm really good at it and I love my own company and I can go on for hours and hours and hours doing that. I'm just mindful of when I start talking and I'm doing that. <laughs> when, when, becomes, when that monologue is suddenly expressed and it suddenly becomes this garbled I dread to think what it would sound like to anyone else <laughs> if they were to hear it. Fortunately, that doesn't happen. I think the engagement is the critical thing because once I am engaged, going back to what you said at the very beginning, once I'm engaged and once I'm willing to follow a process, to be open-minded about it and to be prepared to change something, and be prepared to look at new perspectives and prepared to be honest about how I see this, where I'm at, and be honest with myself. And that word responsibility. Um, if I'm doing <laughs> that, I will actually find things in recovery that I'm not expecting, purely because I'm approaching the world in this particular way. And that's the critical thing. Because I mean, last week we were talking, all, it was all about process, process, process. And I suppose what we're hearing, what we're talking about now is the engagement factor because it means nothing if I just go to six meetings a week and trot out the same bullshit. Yeah. I won't change perspective by doing that. Yeah, action. And it's living with the earthlings. It's living with other human beings for all their faults and for all mine. Mm. There is no place that exists where everybody gets what they want. Well, if there is, I wouldn't want to live there anyway. <laughs> Well, believe it or not... We don't even get... Believe a, it or not, we don't even need a dilemma. No. 
We'll do one next time. Yeah, whenever next time is. <laughs> if you've heard anything that has resonated with you, whether for yourself or for anyone you know and love, someone you work with, someone you have in your family, whoever they are, then do pick up the phone. Do yeah. Google rehab, Google AA, CA, NA, whatever. There are plenty of sources of help out there. And like we said about the engagement thing, really it's just a question of picking up the phone and saying, help me. Because once you do that, the wheels start turning and the ball starts rolling. And it does get better. And while we were talking here about things that could get better over years, there are things that get better in the first day, yeah. believe me. And the sooner you reach out, the sooner you find help. And have a lovely week. And we will be here again soon. Ciao. Bye. Mm-hmm.